Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. In today's episode, I'll be answering a question from a concerned mom. She sort of phoned in the question using SpeakPipe, which is a service that I subscribe to that allows you to leave a message for me to ask a question. I love it so much. You can ask your own question at speakpipe.com slash poochparenting, and I'll be sure to leave that link in the show notes for you. I'm going to break her question into two parts so that I can address each part separately. Enjoy. Hi, uh, my name's Jessica. I have a toddler that's almost two, will be two in next month, and a apparently a mountain cur. Um, nobody seems to know exactly what she is, but that's their best guess, possibly a plot hound. Um, she is three years old, and she is dog aggressive. She got into fights with my other two dogs. Um, they Both other dogs recently passed away, so now she is the only dog in the house with the toddler. Um toddler and the dog get along very well, love each other, play constantly. Um, she's been very gentle with him, no teeth, no nothing, um, except that after the other dog passed away about three weeks ago, she just snapped at my toddler um, in the presence of food. It wasn't even, you know, there, there was food there. She snapped at the toddler. It got pretty ugly. Um, my son got knocked down. And I am very scared that I'm going to have to find her a new home. First of all, I applaud Jessica for reaching out and asking for help because this could be a serious issue. And there are a lot of complicating factors, unfortunately, that I can't fully dive into because all I got was a message. She's not a paying client where I can dive deep and really get curious about the dog's behavior and the learning history, etc. But I do want to say that it is fantastic to ask for help. Ideally, in my dream world, people would ask for help before they actually need it. And there's something really scary that happens because as kids and dogs grow up and age together, things often change and they're quite unpredictable as parenting is in general. But the first thing that I would really recommend is that we make sure that both the dog and the child are safe moving forward. We want to make sure that there are no repeat incidents, especially as we're trying to diagnose all of the contributing factors that may have led to the scary incident. Management is one of my superpowers. I use a lot of management at home with my own dogs and when we have children visiting the house, since my kids are in college now. But I love using a variety of tools that allow us to live in a harmonious household. And by tools, I mean things like baby gates, and those can be retractable baby gates on certain weird-sized doorways, 
or standard baby gates. I also love to use pens and I occasionally use crates, although not very much. I mostly use crates for my puppy when it's nap time so that she doesn't push herself to the brink of exhaustion by playing with toys. So sometimes I have to sort of show her that she's not on the clock and there's nothing else to do but take a rest. So I do wanna make sure that there are some barriers or other management strategies in place while we're trying to figure this out so that the dog and child don't really have access to each other. But I would like to dive into a variety of things that mom said in her message so that we can try to understand a little bit more about the relationship between this child and dog. So the first question that I would ask is what does Jessica mean by saying that the dog and toddler play constantly? So what does that look like? What are the circumstances in which they're playing constantly? Is it all over the house? Is it just in one room? Are you involved in their play? Does their play involve touch? Are they touching each other, wrestling with each other? Is there physical contact or does the play mostly involve things like the toddler rolling a ball down the hallway, for example? Does the play involve food? So these are all really important things that we need to investigate and be curious about because they may impact not only the relationship between the dog and the toddler, but also how we can keep them safe moving forward. Jessica made a point to mention that the incident where the dog snapped at her toddler happened around food. So that opens a whole nother bag of worms for me. And I would be curious to find out if the dog has ever had issues around food before. I'd be curious where the dog and child were physically in relationship to each other and where was the food. So, for example, was the food on a table? Was the food in the toddler's hand? Was it the dog's food or the child's food? Where was Jessica in this circumstance. So for example, was Jessica in between them? Was she on the other side of the room? So we need to try to figure out if food is just a coincidence, if there just happened to be food there when this particular incident happened, or if food was a trigger in particular. So this is one of the reasons why it's so helpful to work with a a dog trainer or a behavior consultant such as myself, in particular one who is um, what we call a fear-free professional or positive reinforcement professional uh, because we're not using any forms of intimidation or fear or pain with our dogs and we're trying to really understand the why of their behavior. Now, it's also really important that we don't just try to jump in and change the behavior because we need to understand what's actually happening before we try to change it. So in many cases, dogs behave in ways that are totally appropriate given the circumstances, even if they're scary to us, but we need to try to understand why they're doing it and what's going on. Because I would never want to punish a growl, for example, because a dog is growling to communicate. And if we ask a dog not to growl, then maybe they just bite instead, which would be terrible. So it is important that we really dive deep, dig in, look into what is going on. What are all the contributing factors? How does the dog feel? What's the dog's learning history and things like this so that we can support the dog into feeling safe so that it doesn't feel the need to snap at our kids. 
It is really important to get support from somebody that you trust though. And so now I'm going to play the second part of Jessica's question because I think she's having a spidey sense that something might not be totally right with some advice that she got from another trainer. My trainer that I used previously wants to use an e-collar and I'm not sure if that's the best option because she does, I mean, she is a very nervous dog. That's, that's her thing. She's scared of loud noises. Uh, I've worked on building up her confidence, but she's been nervous since she was a puppy. I 1000% support how Jessica is questioning whether or not she should use a tool like this. I really applaud her for thinking about it critically. I would agree that using a tool that causes pain will not change the underlying cause of why the dog feels the way he does, and it will probably only serve to make him more anxious. Now, of course, her current trainer or the trainer that recommended this is likely to disagree with me, obviously, but in my experience, many dogs who have an unpleasant punisher don't really understand what's happening. And the absolute worst thing that could happen is that the dog would associate the pain from the shock collar with the child. And that would cause the dog to have even more negative experiences about your kids and maybe all kids, which is the exact opposite of what you're trying to cultivate in your family, which is a positive feeling and association between the dog and the toddler. At the start of this, Jessica was concerned that she might have to rehome her dog, and I just want to reach out and offer a hug because that is a really difficult decision, and I completely understand why a person would be tempted to rehome a dog because at the end of the day, you need to consider the amount of risk that you're willing to take on and how much additional anxiety you can really live with day in and day out. So the real question is, can you manage the dog and kids at the same time all the time and you would get no judgment from me on this especially if you feel like you're in over your head there are options you can hire someone like me who's a dog and child specialist because we really understand the chaos that comes with raising kids and dogs at the same time because we've not only done it but we have a lot of educational chops behind us but we can coach you and help you work through the mindset management and training that you would need to do to make your life easier and safer simultaneously. But really, the real thing is we really have to decide if the dog is unsafe around the child and your family members need to sort of come together and have a really hard conversation to make that decision together. But I would be happy to support you or anybody in a similar circumstance to try to work out what to do because it's really hard. But at the end of the day, again, we need to remember that the dog's behavior is a reflection of their emotional state, and it could be a reflection on how they're physically feeling. So they may need to see a vet and get a workup to determine, are they acting in a certain way because they're uncomfortable or they're sick? Because we can't change behavior of an animal ethically that is ill because we have to address that underlying condition first. So we need to just sort of look at the whole picture. If you'd like some personal support, please reach out. If you are listening to this and you think, oh my gosh, she's, she could be me, please go to my website, poochparenting.net. You can book an appointment. You can reach out to me. You can listen to other podcast episodes. I also have a lot of free downloads such as the ABCs of growling, which could really help you to understand what's going on with your dog. I wish you well and thank you for listening. Thank you. 
thank you for listening to the Pooch Parenting Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player and leave a review. But even better yet, tell a friend. Are you in some mom's groups, perhaps? Or maybe you're friendly with your pediatrician. Please let them know that resources like this exist because the information that I share with my people goes beyond what most baby books offer, and a lot of parents need support. You'd be doing them a favor. Thanks again. Have a great day.